This is Jeff Young, the Catholic Foodie at CatholicFoodie.com, and you're listening to episode 84 of the Catholic Foodie, a cocktail, a cookbook, and my three favorite prayers. Welcome, folks, to the Catholic Foodie, where food meets faith. I'm your host, Jeff Young, and we're going to talk about cocktails made with beer today. That's right, cocktails made with beer a bit about tailgating. So if you're the kind of person that likes to tailgate but doesn't like beer, then stick around. I've got a few surprises for you. I'm also going to review a children's cookbook. The one I'd hoped to share with you last episode is called Now You're Cooking, and I think you're going to like it. Finally, I have been challenged, folks, challenged by a friend, so we're going to talk about my three favorite prayers right here at the Catholic Foodie, where food meets faith. That's right, a good friend of mine did challenge me recently to talk about my three favorite prayers, so we're going to do that this episode. But first, we have to do our prayer. This is the Catholic foodie after all, so let us start with that prayer. Jesus, Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, bless us now gathered around this table Bless the food we are about to eat. Bless our conversation. Bless us most importantly by remaining here with us. May we be mindful of your presence. And may this meal shared together with you help us to long with anticipation to gather around the table of your body and your blood. And to do so, Lord Jesus, with clean hands and pure heart so that one day, we may enter your wedding feast, the wedding feast of the Lamb, where you live and reign forever and ever. Amen. And again, as a reminder, that prayer is not necessarily a prayer that we're praying right now for the show. It is simply a suggested prayer for you to pray with your family around your family table this coming week. So I offer that to you as just a little gift and uh, do with it as you will. I don't really drink, you know. Of course you don't. I wouldn't either if I was drinking that. But you would have to be an idiot of elephantine proportions not to appreciate this 61 Chateau Latour. And you, Monsieur Linguini, are no idiot. <laughs> Let us toast your non-idiocy. Football season is here. If you haven't noticed, the Saints have already played, I believe it's two preseason games. They lost one and won one. They won one this past uh, Saturday night. And uh, very excited about that. I was out at a movie with my wife. What a treat. Some friends of ours, very good friends, the McKnights. If you know the McKnights, praise God, you're lucky, you're blessed. Uh, But they offered to watch our children so that we could go out to see a movie, to see Inception. What, What a movie. I don't know if you have seen that, but wow, that was, that was quite a ride for sure. Uh, I got lots of thoughts about that, but we'll have to save it for another time. Anyway, thank you very much to the McKnights for watching our kids. It was a, a wonderful evening. We met up with some other couples there, and uh, even our uh, associate pastor was there. We got to uh, see this movie and then go to um, you know one of the, the, the couples, one of their houses afterwards, and kind of talk about it and uh, have a cocktail and, and, and some snacks and, and just uh, enjoy each other's company. So it was really very, very good. Now, we are in our aperitif segment, and uh, speaking of cocktails, I have some cocktails to share with you. As I mentioned this past Saturday, the Saints won. Now, what that what does that mean? What does that mean? We're in August. We are in, you know, moving toward that fall time, that fall season. And as far as school goes, this is called the fall semester. And what happens in the fall? You know what happens in the fall. Football happens in the fall. Everybody's into football, whether it's your favorite college team, which in my case would be LSU, of course, the LSU Tigers, or if it's your professional team, your favorite professional team, which, of course, for you and for me as you know, fellow Catholics or those who are 
partial to Catholics. Uh, it's got to be the saints, right? I mean, goodness gracious, their, their name, the, the, the saints, for goodness sakes. Anyway, uh, very, very excited. The Super Bowl champions of last year, I certainly hope they make us proud this year. Definitely. Uh, anyway, <laughs> it's football season, and I don't know about you, but down here, football means tailgating. Man, I can't tell you what it's like down here, either at LSU Stadium, outside LSU Stadium, or goodness gracious, I mean, even St. Paul's right here down the road where I used to teach. St. Paul's has a game, and guess what? You got so many people out there tailgating. They had people last year, I saw people last year, boiling crawfish out there, outside of their, their I, well, I guess it was like an RV, uh, with tons of people around. They had set a tent up, everything, the whole nine yards. It, it was a pre-game party. It was tailgating. Amazing. So we used to go, actually, and meet some friends of ours out there who who had an RV set up, and they had tailgating. we grill burgers and, and, and hot dogs and all that good stuff, and have a little cocktail or something or a beer, and it was really, really nice. So tailgating is part and parcel of football. It's all over the place. Very exciting stuff. This is a great time of the year. Even if you don't like football, I think that the the environment, the, the, the ethos, the, the atmosphere around, the trappings around football can be very exciting. You may not care for the game, but everything else is really fun, right? So anyway, I want to talk about tailgating because, you know, there's some of you out there, you in particular, you, maybe, maybe just you might not like beer. And guess what? The A number one beverage consumed at tailgating parties is not water. It's not vodka or tequila or wine or anything else. It's beer. That's right, beer. And if you want to know more about beer, you, you might want to go check out CatholicDrinky.com, CatholicDrinky.com. My friend Sarah Vambulus over there at CatholicDrinky.com, she talks about beer all the time. Crazy stuff. Anyway, uh, beer is the A number one top of the top cream of the crop drink that is consumed at tailgating parties. Did you know that? And And you might not like beer or you might not think you like beer. But what I'm going to give to you right now are three different cocktails that are made with beer. And, you know, some people, <laughs> I don't know, maybe in college, you may have heard this expression. I don't know if you've heard this yet, and and, and I, I don't know what this says about me, except for the fact that I was a bartender, okay? I was a bartender, so I, I should know this. But uh, beer before liquor never been sicker. Liquor before beer, you're in the clear. You ever heard that before? That if you drink beer first and drink liquor after, it's a sure recipe for getting sick. <laughs> and I can attest to the fact that that's the case. All right, I'm talking like, you know, far back in my history now, but I can definitely attest to the fact that that is the case. Anyway, um... So I guess that thinking about a beer cocktail doesn't really make a whole lot of sense, but just bear with me. We've got some really good cocktails that are made with beer, and I want to share three of those with you. One of these I've never had. One of them I have had, I think, once or twice. And another I've had several times, and I really, really enjoy it. So let's go to the first one. This is a Micheleda, Micheleda, it's Spanish, actually Mexican. Now, the Micheleda is basically a margarita with beer, okay? You're going to have a beer glass that's filled with ice, and you add uh, the juice of a small lemon. I mean, really, you could add lime if you wanted to, but the juice of a lemon, a small lemon, you add a dash of soy. Now, the soy does nothing other than give it some saltiness. So if you wanted to throw a pinch of salt in there instead of soy, have at it. That's all it does. I mean, it's dark, of course, and it'll lend a dark color to the drink, but it's really there for the saltiness. Now, you want to add a couple of dashes, or several, if you're me, of Tabasco, because we 
love Tabasco down here, and Worcestershire. I don't know how you say that word, but I grew up saying it, Worcestershire sauce. Uh, I make fun of it by saying Worcestershire. Worcestershire. Anyway, I don't know how you say that word, but you know what I'm talking about, Worcestershire sauce. Um, you, you add some of that there too. I would add a couple of drops myself. Uh, the recipe here, I'm looking at a website called that's the spirit.com. And I'll put a link in the show notes over at catholicfoodie.com. Uh, but you, uh, what they say here is that you just add a dash. I would add several dashes. All right. It says add a pinch of salt and pepper, which is odd because they already added soy, and then they're going to have salt on top of that. That's strange, okay? Strange. Anyway, it says, for some, though, a true Mexican michelada is not complete without a shot of tequila mixed in. So I can imagine that being very good. I've never had one. Never had one. But I can imagine it being very good. So with or without the tequila, I'm sure it's very tasty and would be very enjoyable. That lemon, by the way, is going to make it very uh, refreshing. So if you're out at a tailgating party and you're waiting to get into the game and you're just having fun and you want something nice to drink but nothing too, I don't know, heavy or whatever, if you use a um, a beer that's like a Pilsner or something light and uh, that lemon, oh, it'll be very good. Very uh, refreshing, actually. Very refreshing. The next one is called a Shandy. Don't know if you ever heard of that. Shandy is basically, it comes from England, and uh, it's, it's short for Shandy Gaff. It's a mixture of beer and ginger beer or ginger ale and lemonade. It, it's, it's a very tart, kind of tangy drink, and also kind of like lemonade, it's, it's refreshing as well. Uh, this, this drink actually dates back to the 17th century, uh, but we don't know exactly where it comes from. Uh, anyway, what you do is you take a Pilsner or a beer mug, Pilsner glass or a beer mug, and you fill it with lager, okay? A lager is going to be a relatively light um, uh, beer, a lager. You top it, not half and half, not three quarters, you top it with ginger ale or ginger beer or lemonade, and, uh, you know, you could even do lime if you'd like. If you don't want lemonade, you'd rather lime, you could do that. But this is also a very refreshing drink, very refreshing cocktail. And then finally, my favorite, I love this. When I think of beer cocktails, I think of this. And <laughs> it's actually funny. It goes back to my bartending days. You know, when I was bartending, oh, my goodness. I think I shared this uh, last episode, my interview with, uh, <laughs> with Sarah Vabulous. You know, when I was a bartender, I can't tell you how many confessions I heard. And I can't tell you the kind of things I saw. I saw things that make your head spin. It's weird. It's wild. It's wacky. But uh, I had fun. It was great. Uh, anyway, one of the things that, uh, that I learned during that time, about four or five years that I was bartending, was something called a red eye. Okay, a red eye which is a little different than what I'm about to tell you, but a red eye, the whole point of a red eye was to kind of like, um, oh, good. What, what, what's the expression? The, uh, the, the uh, oh, gosh, what the, the, the tail that the dog that, I can't remember the expression right now, but basically it's the hair of the dog. That's it, hair of the dog. You get hung over one night, and so in the morning when you wake up or a little after you wake up, you, um, you know, you're not feeling too well. What's something that can help you feel better? You actually drink a little bit. Not much, but a little bit. And it helps you to kind of balance out your system and helps you to feel better. Now, of course, I don't advocate getting intoxicated. I know that you would never get drunk. That's okay. I'm okay with that. You're okay with that. That's great. But I'm telling you something from my experience, right? Red eye was one of those drinks that they used to make to help people with hangovers. And with a red eye, and this is not the recipe that I was going to give you, but I'm going to go ahead and tell you about the red eye anyway. Red eye, you add a shot of tomato juice to any ale or lager. And uh, you add a maybe a splash of Tabasco, 
um, maybe a little salt. It depends on what kind of tomato juice you're adding. You may want to add salt, pepper. You may want to add lemon and lime uh, to that. But anyway, it's basically beer with some tomato juice in it. It's good. I mean, a red eye is nice. But it doesn't beat the third cocktail I was going to tell you about, which is a beer Bloody Mary. Oh, my goodness. I love beer Bloody Marys. And there there have been times that we've had people over and I have made not Bloody Marys, but beer Bloody Marys. And this is basically what you do. You, you mix your beer and any kind of beer that you think would taste good, that, that, that you enjoy. Now, you may want to stay away from like stouts or stronger ales, but any kind of lager or um, uh, maybe an amber, those types of beers you can use. And what you would do is uh, you, you're going to basically add half beer and half tomato juice. Now, when they say tomato juice, that's not the only thing that's going to flavor this drink, okay? But you add the tomato juice, and then you're going to add some Tabasco. Once again, this recipe talks about adding a dash. I would add several myself. You may want to add a few. And then like some Worcestershire, used to use that as well. And, the, and when I used to make uh, uh, Bloody Marys from scratch, Never using mix. I like making my own from scratch. I would add either salt and pepper, or if I had it available, some kind of Cajun seasoning, whether it was Tony Sachery's or Conrico or Slap Your Mama. That's right. That is a Cajun seasoning. It's called Slap Your Mama. Uh, any of that kind of stuff, I'd add some of that to taste. Uh, the Tabasco. Or nowadays, I would probably add Crystal. If that was my... My, my my hot sauce of choice at the moment is crystal. It has been actually for a few years. So crystal hot sauce, I'd add some of that. You can add Tabasco if that's what you got. Uh, and what else? What else? Oh, can't forget lemon and lime. And I, I cut my lemons and limes. I'm kind of in a habit. I cut them as I would as a bartender. So they're little, you know, wedges, right? And so you, um, you you squeeze some lemon lime in there. Once again, to taste, but I would do maybe a couple of little wedges uh, each, maybe two lemons, two limes, something like that for a glass. And, uh, man, you talk about good. Oh, it's that beer Bloody Mary. Holy smoke. If you've never had that, you got to do it. And if you do it, you got to call me. I want to know about it. 985-635-4974. 985-635-4974. Call me and tell me about your beer, Bloody Mary. Or you can always send me an email at jeff at catholicfoodie.com. And now it's already time for our first break. right folks this is our first break we're gonna have breaks in the show now with all the good stuff that we're doing the changing format and everything else and so here's the message of the break got a message that you would like people to hear looking for new and exciting ways to get your message across to a select audience then you might want to consider becoming the exclusive sponsor of the catholic foodie that's right the catholic foodie is looking for sponsors for the show and you can sponsor a run of three months, six months, or a year. What's included? Well, you get mentioned several times in each show. I dedicate a page to you at catholicfoodie.com, and I reference that page several times in each show. And I will also happily include your ad, your graphic, whatever it may be, on catholicfoodie.com and in the RSS feed so that you will get maximum exposure. Curious? Want to know more? Want to know more about the reach of the show and the potential return on investment that you can expect? Then send me an email at jeff at catholicfoodie.com or give me a call at 985-635-4974. 
smells good. Those, uh, goodies in there. Granny, Granny Puckett, the goody lady? My goodness, she makes some good goodies. She's got a thing. It's like a, uh, it's like a, uh, cookies, shortbread chocolate icing between very... It's good. Uh, it's very good. All right, folks, we're now at the appetizer section, and we're going to talk about that cookbook again. Remember last episode, I kind of introduced this whole idea, this whole concept, this whole new venture, this new project of the Catholic Foodie, which is a cookbook, well, of sorts, not completely 100% a cookbook like you would think a cookbook should be. This is a Catholic cookbook, yet it's even more than a Catholic cookbook. This is a cookbook based on Scripture, believe it or not. It is a cookbook in which I'm going to trace, I'm going to follow food throughout salvation history. I'm going to tell stories, and in addition to the stories, you will also get recipes. I think it's a great idea. I love to hear what you think. 985-635-4974 or jeffyoung at catholicfoodie.com. But I do have some more to tell you about this particular project right now. I put a post up today, just today, at, the, at catholicfoodie.com about the title of, <laughs> I can't help but laugh, it's so funny, the title of this book. You know, I came up with, I was, I was kind of um, brainstorming. Uh, one day last week or two weeks ago now, I guess well, it was last week, and uh, I came up with 79 possible cookbook titles, and I put them over at catholicfoodie.com. You can check that out by going to catholicfoodie.com slash cookbook dash titles, and you'll see that post. Very funny. Some of these were so goofy. I, I really hesitated as to whether or not I should put them on the on the website. It's like this is this is goofy. People are gonna laugh. It's okay to be funny from time to time. That's all right. They can laugh. That's fine. I, I, I'm I'm a big boy. I can handle it. So anyway, uh, we got 79 uh, titles, possible titles of the website over there, and I've already had people commenting on that post, giving me their ideas and give me feedback on what they thought of the titles that I came up with. Really good stuff. You may want to go check that out at catholicfoodie.com slash cookbook dash titles. True love, you heard him? You could not ask for a more noble cause than that. Sorry. True love is the greatest thing in the world. Except for nice MLT, mutton, lettuce, and tomato sandwich when the mutton is nice and lean and the tomatoes ripe. They're so perky. I love that. Now, I want to talk to you just for a few minutes here about a book that I came across. Actually, they sent it to me. Uh, I believe this was Sally Feller up there in uh, up north, Boston, I believe it's Boston, uh, with the Daughters of St. Paul. You know, they've got their publishing house, the Pauline uh, uh, Ministry, which you can find at pauline.org. Uh, they have a store, an online store there. And, uh, you know, the Daughters of St. Paul, they run bookstores all over the country, all over the world. And in addition to that, they actually publish, they have their own publishing arm, and they publish books. Well, this particular book that Sally sent me is uh, it's a, it's about cooking and it's it's food and faith and it's for kids and and it really kind of jumped out at me when she sent it. I was like, this is so cool. This is so cool. Uh, it's it's Pauline Kids, jclubcatholic.org, jclubcatholic.org. I believe that's Jesus Club. Uh, you can find out more stuff there. And also at pauline.org, they've got uh, uh, an online store. You can find the book there. It's called Now You're Cooking, and it's edited by Diane M. Lynch. 
And basically, this is a book for kids where you have 10 short stories with recipes, right? 10 short stories with recipes. Very, very cool. Very good concept. I really like the concept. Um, if you if you uh, open the book up, you look in the very beginning, they have a welcome page, which I'm going to share with you right now. Um, I thought it was very cool. Diane writes, welcome to Now You're Cooking. Have you ever heard the saying, you are what you eat? Well, of course. We can't take that too literally, although you must admit it must be kind of hilarious. <laughs> What is true, though, is that food is a lot more than just what keeps us alive. All over the world, thanking God for food and enjoying a meal with friends and family are a big part of celebrations, holidays, and daily life. In each of these fun, short stories, food or cooking plays a role of some kind. Every short, or I'm sorry, every story is followed by one or two recipes from some or for some of the foods that appeared. Um, enjoy reading the stories and try the recipes too. Be sure to read the next section before you begin to cook. It contains important cooking and safety tips. And before you eat, it's always great to take a moment to say thank you to God. Happy reading and cooking. Very simple book. It's not complicated. The, it's got big print for kids. Uh, it, it, it's small. It'll fit like if you're a lady and you have a purse, it'll fit in your purse. You can take it places. I mean, it, it looks like a really fun book, great cover. Um, it looks like it'll hold up to wear in the kitchen. That's important. Uh, but the, the stories are very cool, okay? They have a, a section in here. In the, in the very beginning, it says, read this before you cook. And she's got basic cooking tips, which is really good. And, it, and it's all directed toward kids, all directed toward uh, keep it safe, safety tips in the kitchen which is really nice, especially for kids. You know, I mean, I know my kids, when they get in the kitchen, first thing they want to do is grab the knives. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that says, but it scares me. So knives are off limits, okay? <laughs> keep it clean. Char would love that section. Clean as you go to keep it clean. Uh, I probably need to read it two, three, four, five times. Uh, then, it, it, you know, she gives you a gauge for the recipes as to how easy they are, either one two or three spoons will tell you how difficult or easy the recipe is. And then you've got different stories. This is great. Stirring up trouble. Let's see if I can turn to the table of contents. I don't want the different, to the different story titles here. Stirring up trouble, recipes for disaster, pot lucky. I mean, I love these titles. Isn't this cool? Aunt Lil's magic muffins, a taste of the world. Am I skinny yet? <laughs> Love that. Grading Gran, Unplugged for a Week, Attack of the Cousins, The Breakfast Battle. Now, all these sound like something that you would hear my own kids talk about in my house, which is really awesome. <laughs> Very cool. And, uh, you know, you got different recipes for each, um, for each story. Let me see if I can share a few of the recipes here with you. Uh, here we go. A-plus campfire-style chili, African chicken peanut butter stew, which is, I looked through that. That looks really good. African chicken peanut butter stew. Sounds really, I mean, it may sound gross to you right now, but read the ingredients and all that. It sounds really good. Um, Aunt Lil's Magic Muffins. We talked about that in a second ago. Austin's Favorite Cornbread. Creative Chicken Salsa Soup which is very creative. It is true. Hermits that almost crushed Clivedom or Cliveden. Uh, Mexican hot chocolate, Mrs. Trans Vietnamese spring rolls. Oh, which by the way, look through that one too. Looks awesome. Mrs. Trans Vietnamese spring rolls. Anyway, I want to share this with you. Pauline.org. Now you're cooking is the title of the book. 10 short stories with recipes edited by Diane M. Lynch. You can find it at pauline.org, or you can go over to jclubcatholic.org, and you will find uh, more information on this book. Well, just last week, I had a uh, an email I received from a friend of mine 
longtime friend Roy Pettifees. He's over in uh, southwest Louisiana in the Lafayette area. Uh, Roy and I went to the seminary together. We were at St. Joseph's Seminary College together for, I guess, a couple of years. Anyway, Roy is a great guy, fantastic guy, and a wonderful Catholic, does lots of good work, works with youth a lot. And uh, matter of fact, uh, I'll give you one of his, uh, he's got a couple of websites, so I'll uh, pass those on to you in just a moment. But I also want to say that uh, Roy is an author as well, and he wrote the book, uh, What I Wish Someone Had Told Me About the First Five Years of Marriage, which uh, I have not read, but I tell you what, it sounds like a good book. Uh, if I can, if only I could go back in time. <laughs> what I Wish Someone Had Told Me About the First Five Years of Marriage. So uh, that's one of the books uh, that he has written. Anyway, uh, he's got he's got more, but let me tell you, the whole point of me bringing Roy up is uh, not to do a book review, but to tell you about an email he sent me, and I was very intrigued by this email, and it was based on a post he put up over there at his website, and uh, let's see, the, this particular website, the post is, you can find it at YouthWalla, YouthWalla, and uh, Walla, W-A-L-L-A-H, so YouthWalla.com. And it's called My Favorite Prayers. And this is what it says. It says, I was recently tagged by Scott Miller of the Catholic Youth Ministry blog and asked to list my three favorite prayers. These prayers have and continue to draw me into a spirit of prayer. And he lists them. The first one is the Peace Prayer of St. Francis. The second one is the Fragrance Prayer by St. John Newman. And the last one is the Angelus. He continues, so Mike Patan, who is or who, ha, uh, who has compiled a great book of prayers entitled A Standing Invitation, Lisa uh, Bidenbach uh, from St. Anthony Messenger Press, Frank Mer- uh, Mercadante, um, I hope I'm pronouncing this right, uh, Cultivation Ministries, Becky Eldridge, Everything is Holy Now blog, Jim Beckman from Impact Center, Jeff Young, the Catholic Foodie, and Brian Butler, Dumb Ox Productions. Let's hear it. What's your three favorite or go-to prayers? And so, my dear friends who honor me by reading this blog, what are your three favorite prayers? Please comment below, Facebook it, tag me, blog it, whatever. Anyway, I talked to Roy. I sent him an email afterwards. And I said, hey, dude, I'm going to talk about the three prayers on the podcast and so that's what we're going to do right now. Uh, I'm going to tell you my three my three favorite prayers. The first one, um, the first one I think is my favorite only because I have to say it so many times, like sometimes several times a day. <laughs> it's it's the act of contrition, <laughs> and uh, I'm laughing, but I'm serious. All right, it's one of my favorite prayers. I pray it, I do. I pray it at least once a day, and sometimes many times. Matter of fact, when I was in the seminary. I looked through uh, the the ritual, the uh, book for the sacrament of uh, of penance, and there's several different uh, acts of contrition that you can say. And of course, you know we have the traditional act of contrition. Actually, we have a couple of different versions of the traditional one, but one of them that was in there was this: Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the Living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Isn't that awesome? That's the Jesus prayer, just the Jesus prayer, which is comes from the Eastern Church. Uh, beautiful prayer, kind of like the rosary. They have the, the Jesus beads, and, and they could pray the this prayer over and over again. Beautiful prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Beautiful, scriptural, and uh, d- simple yet deep. And I love that prayer. For a long time, a long time, for probably years, when I would go to confession, which I do on a regular basis, uh, used to be twice a month. Every two weeks, I used to go. Uh, now, it, you know, it's a family uh, man, a husband, a father, and someone who has um, responsibilities. Uh, I can only go, you know, about once a month. That's what I do, once a month. Uh, but for years, I would pray this prayer as my act of contrition. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And I'm not kidding. There are many, many days that I pray that prayer or the one I've gone back to the traditional, you know, oh my God, I'm heartily sorry for having offended you, that that act of contrition. So that's number one for me. Number two is the Liturgy of the Hours. You know, I've talked so much about the Liturgy of the Hours of the Divine Office 
that I'm not going to say a whole lot about it right now, only that it's it's Scripture. You just pray in Scripture. It's the Psalms. It's, it's uh, readings from uh, the Old Testament or from the Gospels or, or from the writings of Paul or one of the other, other apostles. Uh, beautiful, beautiful prayer, very meditative, reflective, and, you know, you, when you pray it regularly, you kind of get into a, a rhythm with it. And it's, it's one of those prayers, because it's the official prayer of the church, it is a liturgy, the Liturgy of the Hours, it follows the liturgical seasons. And so you really get a feel for the liturgical seasons whenever you pray regularly, uh, the Liturgy of the Hours. And uh, since I'm talking about that, I will mention once again my friend Dane Faulkner. Dane uh, is is the the mastermind behind uh, DivineOffice.org. Uh, head over to DivineOffice.org and pay him a visit. He's a great guy, and they have a fantastic ministry dealing with the liturgy of the hours, the Divine Office. They even have an iPhone app, an iPhone app for uh, the Divine Office. Beautiful, wonderful. It's it's uh, it's it's written. It's text. Uh, but also audio. So you can uh, listen and pray together with others who are praying the divine office, and you can read along as uh, as you listen to that. Beautiful prayer. I love it. So that's my second one. Number three, my third has to be absolutely, without a doubt, the rosary. And you know what? I'm saying this is like one, two, and three. I can't say that this is one, two, and three, like highest to lowest or something like that, right? This is just I have to name them in some kind of order, so this is the order, okay? <laughs> I guess maybe it's alphabetical. Act of contrition, liturgy of the hours, and now we're at the rosary. So, uh, But the rosary, definitely. Meditative, beautiful, uh, reflected on the gospel passages. Uh, so many wonderful inspirations and thoughts that uh, come to me when I'm praying the rosary. Beautiful. And there's something just human about the rosary. I love it having the, the, the beads pass through your hands. It's like a, your entire body prays, which is very true for us Catholics with liturgical prayer. You know, you sit, you stand, you kneel. Uh, you, all the sacraments have physical, tangible things through which God communicates his grace to us, whether it's uh, water at baptism, you know, uh, chrism, holy oil, chrism, uh, an ordination, and also at confirmation, anointing of the sick, uh, bread and wine, and the Eucharist. I mean, all these physical things that God uses to communicate to us. Well, the rosary is kind of like that. It's a sacramental, right? We call it that, sacramental. But you have those beads passing through your hand. You have the words coming out of your mouth, you know, breath actually passing through your lips, and your mind is supposed to be engaged in meditation on uh, the given mystery. So beautiful prayer. Those are my three. And you know what? I'm going to do what Roy did. Roy, you had a good thing there, good idea, my friend. I'm going to pass that on to you, and I'm going to ask you, what are your three favorite prayers? Please comment. Make a comment on the post over at um, at catholicfoodie.com, and let me make sure I have the correct, uh, let's see, the correct uh, URL here is going to be catholicfoodie.com slash cocktails dash and dash cookbooks. CatholicFoodie.com slash cocktails dash and dash cookbooks. You can go over there and list your three favorite prayers. I would love to know. Of course, you are free, absolutely free, to give me a call at 985-635-4974. I would love to hear about your three prayers, and hey, I'd love to play that on the show. Hi, I'm Junie. And I'm Ree. And And this this is Mary in the the Kitchen kitchen with Sarah (laughs) Reinhardt. I have often wondered, especially in the last few years, if Mary had any girlfriends. If this seems like an unlikely question to you, then let me ask you to have a seat at my kitchen table. Here, I'm going to pour you a cup of my specially brewed coffee. We can talk coffee makers in another episode, but you're not talking me out of my Mystic Monk Cowboy blend. Not today, at least. Now, maybe you prefer tea. I have quite a selection of that, too, though I'm in more of a mood for coffee myself. At at least today. Now, are you comfortable? Great. If you're a man, you might be rolling your eyes with this talk of girlfriends. But wait! Don't go yet. I just poured you coffee, remember? And here's an Oreo. Stay around a bit. We've got more Oreos and maybe some Chips Ahoy. 
Girlfriends are pretty important. Now, I'm a pretty extroverted person, but you know what I've realized in the last few years? I don't have that many girlfriends. I never have. Maybe it's because I grew up with brothers. Maybe it's because I hate shopping and frills, and I've always been more of a tomboy than a princess. My husband, however, does have sisters, and one of them has become particularly close to me. I dare not call her a girlfriend just yet, but I think we're pretty close to that point. Aside from her, I have one other really close, in real life, girlfriend who lives down the street. This is the friend I texted the other day with a message to the effect of, If you call me right now, I will cry. Do not even try. I will not answer my phone. Then, because it made perfect sense to me, I called her. But I didn't cry. I laughed. What can I say? Her nine-year-old made me do it. At the Catholic New Media celebration a few weeks ago, I met a couple of my virtual girlfriends. Women I have gotten into the habit of texting and tweeting throughout my days. These are people who I would have over for hot drinks and long conversations if they didn't inconveniently live hundreds and thousands of miles away. So, how does all this tie in with my kitchen and with Mary? Hey, thanks for keeping me on track. Life is hard. It's not easy for any of us. There's a valve we each have that needs, well, it needs to blow off some steam every so often. It needs to commiserate and belly laugh and seek advice. Though I have a spouse for most of that, and he's really good as my best friend, I also need a girlfriend, or two, or maybe ten, because I'm a girl. Mary undoubtedly did have girlfriends. Women she turned to for wisdom, for support, and for laughs. She must have been an example to the women around her, sure. How could she not be? But the world of girlfriends is made up of two-way streets, which means you give and you take. There is joy and love in both sides of that equation. The giving is, in fact, a sort of taking because, at least in my recent experience, it is far harder to take than it is to give. This week, pray a rosary for that special friend or two in your life, the one who keeps you sane, the one who does you a favor when you most need it and can least ask for it, the one who prays for you unceasingly. Ask Mary to help you be a holy witness to this person as she leads you both closer to her son. Hey, Jeff. This is Mary Ward. I'm calling from New York City right now. Actually, I live in New Jersey, across the river. But I'm on 55th and Park Avenue right now, coming from St. Vincent Ferrer Church, a beautiful Dominican church on Lexington and 65th Street in Manhattan. Um, beautiful sang the, or listened to, actually, the morning prayers with the Dominicans and then Mass. And now I'm off to another job. But anyway, I want to tell you how much I enjoyed speaking with you at the conference in Boston. I learned a lot. I want to tell you also that um, I have been following through on your tip about not washing my meat the chicken and poultry and, uh, I mean, that's the same thing, uh, and roast beef which I did. I made a roast recently, and I did not wash it. I, I actually remembered that. Amazing. And uh, I really believe that it was a good day to kind of follow your advice. Um, I like the new format for your, uh, pod, your podcast. I am interested in history, just to tell you that. I am a, have a Ph.D. in church history, so um, that's my thing. I'm, there's so much Catholic history around where you live. Uh, great one saints. Uh, heroic people who did lots of stuff. So anytime you can throw some of that in, I would love it. And um, I hope we can uh, connect again sometime, and I hope you enjoy my book about First Black Catholic Church in Newark, New Jersey. And uh, actually, there's a lot of church history, a lot of history about African-American Catholics in New Orleans. Tremendous history. 
So if you can throw any of that in, that would be great. So um, anyway, God bless. Thanks for all the work you do. And I love your podcast. I enjoyed meeting you. And uh, best to your family. Bye-bye. Thank you so much, Mary. I'm. Uh, it was just such a pleasure to meet you at the CNMC. And uh, thank you so much for a copy of your book. I'm, I'm very excited about that. I'm looking forward to reading your book. Um, you know, we had a chance to chit-chat a little bit, and it was St. Peter Claver was the church I was thinking about in New Orleans that has been recognized nationally for the type of uh, ministry that it's uh, it's doing. It's funny, it's, a, it's an African-American church, uh, uh, St. Peter Claver Catholic Church, um, but the pastor, at least when I when I was involved down there, the pastor was white. Father Michael Jacques was his uh, name, and just incredible dynamic um, work that he did in that parish. It's amazing, and I mean, people would travel all over to go to St. Peter Claver. Beautiful, beautiful thing. And you're right. There, there is so much history down here. Uh, when it comes to uh, African Americans and Catholicism, uh, and the church is just there's so much here, and uh, you're uh, hopefully maybe one day I could do a show just on that, and especially maybe bringing in soul food. You know, soul food. It was in the mid '60s, I believe, that the terminology began with the soul food as a or soul music, whatever it may be, is a common definer that was used to describe African-American culture. So, you know, you probably heard of soul music. Well, you got soul food, too, and you've got things, uh, part of that uh, that food category, you've got a lot of rice, and you've got okra, and you've got cabbage, and you've got turnips and corn and uh, all that kind of stuff. And, and soul food is just it's delicious. It really is. And I don't know whether or not red beans and rice would be considered technically soul food. I think down here it is. But uh, there's so many beets. You got beets. You've got mustard greens, collard greens, kale, ham hocks. Um, let's see what else. Pig's feet, like uh, pickled pig's feet, um, oxtail. You got tripe. All kind of stuff would be considered soul food. So we'll have to do a show on that maybe one day. That would be fun. Uh, but, you know, when you talked about that, we, our conversation actually in Boston reminded me of a place that I used to go to in Baton Rouge, which is like, it's famous. It's called Mama's Silver Moon Cafe. And this place in Baton Rouge, not too far away from LSU, on the other side of the railroad tracks, is just amazing. Absolutely amazing. They serve like iced tea. To drink and that was it i think you got water or iced tea and that was it and uh there was no air condition in the place you were sweating your butt off when you were in there trying to eat but they had like the best fried chicken the best red beans and rice i mean you would not believe this place it's unbelievable and mama was in the kitchen you know i mean she was there this is silver moon cafe is mama's silver moon cafe and mama was in the kitchen you couldn't pull her out of there. I mean, it was it was just, I don't know, it, it's real. I guess that's the word, real. And so maybe we'll have to do a show just on soul food, and I would love, I would love to feature Mama Silver Moon Cafe. Matter of fact, I'd love to go down there and do the show live. have no idea how that would be possible, but, man, that'd be fun. Here's a way you can be creative on a daily basis. Well, how else in your life can you actually create new things every day? And you have to eat. This mm -hmm. is the thing we all agree on. If you're going to eat three times a day to the day that you die, why not be good at it? Well, here we are, folks. We're at the end of the show already. It's hard to believe. Oh, my goodness. Uh, just a couple of reminders. First of all, if you have any questions, feedback, anything you'd like to say to the Catholic Foodie, call me, 95 635 4974. 985-635-4974. Email me at jeff at catholicfoodie.com. And, uh, you know, a couple of other things I want to tell you about. Just a reminder. First of all, if you have any needs at all for copywriting, web design, uh, internet marketing, in any respect, any of that stuff, visit me at jeffyoung.me, right? 
website, jeffyoung.me, and let me know how I can help you. Also, you may be very interested if you're a Catholic foodie and you're hanging out over here at catholicfoodie.com. You may be uh, you may be very interested to know about the Divine Office iPhone app. That's right, the Divine Office iPhone app. You can find out more about that at catholicfoodie.com or go to divineoffice.org. On catholicfoodie.com, you can find that page at catholicfoodie.com slash divine-office. catholicfoodie.com divine-office. I cannot recommend it highly enough. Just had a friend of mine, Lexi, who uh, tweeted me. She tweeted me the other day and she said, Hey, Jeff, on your recommendation, I just bought the Divine Office app. Love it. So, Lexi, awesome. That's great. Thank you so much. And, uh, you know, I mean, just enjoy it because it is so awesome. Uh, CatholicFoodie.com slash Divine dash Office. Go check that out, too. I want to remind you before we close out, I want to remind you of the fact that we have a new Catholic Foodie newsletter that is being launched in September. Catholic Foodie newsletter launching in September. And you may want to sign up for that. You can go to catholicfoodie.com, right-hand corner of the page, right the right-hand sidebar. There is a place where you can put your email address, and that is a subscription for the newsletter. So the first one, the inaugural edition, the very first uh, issue of the Catholic Foodie Newsletter will arrive in your email inbox if you sign up for it. So go over there to catholicfoodie.com, right-hand sidebar, sign up for the Catholic Foodie Newsletter. It's uh, I was thinking about uh, making the title of that, Good Enough to Eat. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, let me know what you think about that. But uh, go ahead and sign up for that. That's awesome. All right, folks, until next time. can't believe our time is already up. But until next time, bon appetit. I'm Julia Child. Bon appetit. Bon appetit. Bon appetit. Bon appetit. SQPN, leading the way in Catholic new media.